Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kevin Johnson program. We are now on episode 34, and as you probably know by now, I am your host, Kevin Johnson, and I'd like to thank you very much for listening in and as we explore and spotlight the creatives in South Florida, and that is different forms of creation from performance to art to culture and everything in between. And I am excited to introduce my next guest at this time. It's been a very long time since we have connected, and we want to find out what's going on with her now. I'd like to introduce Wida D.W. to the program. Once again, that is Wida D.W. Thank you so much for coming on. Hello, and thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Now... I personally know this person under her middle name, but eight years ago, I'll, we'll start there. Eight years ago, I went to a the Wellington Amphitheater, which is located in Northwest Palm Beach County. And there was a company that was putting on a show. It was a measurable theater. And Wida was the founder of this company. And I reached out to her because this was a new troupe that I have never heard of, never seen before. And I was, at that time, going to put on an alternative theater festival which with different other troops that were going to be involved. And I reached out to Wida, and uh, she was gracious enough in order to contribute a piece that she wrote. I believe it was called Paradise Lost. Right, you're correct. Good memory. Yes. So she was, uh, like I said, she was nice enough in order to contribute that piece to our alternative theater festival at the time. And let's, let's start from a beginning point. Like, where are you originally from? Let's start there. Okay, so I am originally a West Palm Beach native. I grew up in South Florida. My heart is uh, in South Florida. And um, I decided to start doing things here in the arts. Uh, It began through theater. So I started a theater company. I wrote some plays. And... um, got a troop together, uh, and that started taking off and doing very well, and um, we did that, I did that for about four years, and uh, primarily in, you know, Palm Beach County, I had a few spaces where we were performing, and uh, I wrote the plays and directed the plays, and we had, we had a a strong troop, like I said, that went on about four years. And when you came to see the play, that was uh, our second year or third year in, I can't remember. And, you know, we were selling out, um, and uh, a lot of people were attending. Um, So it was a good time while it lasted. Understood. Understood. Now, I want to make sure that, um, because here at the Kevin Johnson program, we're extremely transparent here. So 
where did you graduate from higher learning? Uh, I graduated from, well, I went to a few colleges. So um, I went to Palm Beach State. So I got my AA at Palm Beach State. And then I went to Jacksonville University up north, uh, almost to the border of Georgia. And then um, I got my master's uh, at University of Texas. So, um, that's where I have, you know, completed my degrees, and um, those are my schools. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, what is your master's in? English. Literature. Oh, okay, all right. So, that will actually, uh, we will uh, use that because that's basically what we will talk about later on into your uh, journey where you are now. But I figure I wanted to create a timeline So when you got back home, what made you decide that you wanted to delve into the theater market and start your own company? Okay, so I was a theater major at JU, and right in the last semester, I decided to change my major because I found that I could write, and it sort of became my niche. So I decided to minor in theater, even though I had one class, just one class to be a double major, I went ahead and graduated because I didn't want to do a whole other semester. But, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to hang out another semester for one class. So I took the theater minor, and I majored in English. And I did some dinner theater after that. I was teaching during the day in Central Florida. landed my first teaching job. And I was doing dinner theater at night and performing and I had had uh, a death in the family, my third year teaching in Central Florida. My father passed away, and I decided to move back home, and I felt led to contribute to my home and bring our, our motto, our, our theme back then for that theater company was to bring uh, or to show what's beautiful in the universe to shine light on what was good and what was beautiful and bring hope to people that were maybe in some dark times. And all of my plays that I wrote during that time spotlighted hope among darkness, uh, perseverance, uh, and that's what I aspired to do in the community. And we had lots of good things. Uh, going on, people were writing letters and saying, oh, this, this helped me, you know, during this time. Um, my goal was to just contribute and help people and through my art. And that's what um, inspired me to, to start a measurable theater. Okay. Back then. So you said that uh, you had a good four years. So what made you stop be, uh, besides... You know, you could state the obvious in the sense of money, but was there any other reasons that you decided to, um, you know, fold? Yeah, there was. Um, we, one of my main partners at the time, uh, who was helping me, she she did all the the scenic art, and she and I worked hand in hand. I mean, she was a big uh, help to the company. We started sort of going uh, different paths. She 
got married, I got married, and we just found that theater couldn't fit in our life anymore at that time. Uh, it, it called for more than what we could give. Uh, so I just decided to dissolve the company and uh, go teaching full-time. Okay. But I took my theater and my plays into the public schools where I actually, uh, those plays went to the Florida Thespian District competition and actually won some awards. So I was still doing theater. I was just doing it in a different venue, a different realm. So fast forward. We are now here, and I understand that you have this. You have turned into a full-fledged author, and we want to speak about the book that you have that is out right now, which is called Sunbeam and the Curse of the Golden Key. Now, is this your very first book? Let's talk about the story. What is it about? So it's about this girl named Sunday and uh, her her twin sister went missing five years prior, and she it's her fault that her twin sister went missing. But I'm not going to give that away. So it's her fault that her twin sister went missing, and she carrying around heavy bricks of guilt and she's 13 years old it's sort of a coming of age story as well and she finds this mystical key and this key starts taking on new shapes and forms and casting different images and powers and she's trying to find out what the key's trying to tell her, where it's leading her to these clues that the key is, is giving her. She's using this key to solve the mystery of where her missing twin sister is. So she and her horse, Whitewing, go into the depths of Cyprus and they try to find Gilda, the missing twin. Hmm. Interesting. And it's Okay. So is it fantasy that inspires you? Are you looking to go into the uh, the fantasy field for uh, more books or? I'm actually working on book two. Um, it's people that have read it are already asking me for the second book. Um, book two is in the process. So uh, I'm still writing that. 
And it's also, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, this will be a series. Okay, so this will be, this will be uh, all based around Sunbeam, I take it. Okay, so what are your inspirations when it comes to literature? Who, uh, you know, who inspires you or who are, who are your favorite writers? Um, I can say I like Flannery O'Connor. I studied her a lot. She was a classic author in the uh, 20th century. I like a lot of her imagery her strong, evocative pictures that she would create to send these messages. She was a big influence in my writing. Uh, Poe, in his sense of mystery, uh, in his pacing, those are some of my biggest influences uh, as far as they inspire me to want to write. Hmm. So, without giving too much away, how many pages is Sunbeam and The Curse of the Golden Key? Okay. Um, it's perfect for middle school age, uh, 12 to 15. Um, and, you know, it, there's some lessons that are good for that age, like hope, persevering through hard times, friendships, um, coming of age, kind of discovering what you are, what your talents are. Uh, it's all explored in this book. So, just to get... Go ahead. A lot of good and evil contrast. Good. I know that uh, that was uh, one of your... One of the the, uh, pieces that uh, I remember that you had was a musical, and you were talking about good and evil. So, Uh what draws you to that constant battle? between good and evil. I think that in the world we live in, we are in a world of good and evil. And I think that people sometimes need hope and or are caught in a place that's dark. And I think that sometimes they don't even know how they got there. But if we can shine light on not only evil, but how people can fall into it and its tricks and its craftiness. People can hopefully be enlightened on it and avoid going there, avoid stepping there. You know, Hitchcock, he was huge. Alfred Hitchcock, big on good versus evil. Um, He explored that a lot himself. You know, people regretting being curious about things that they shouldn't be curious about, going too far, knowing that they shouldn't go, but going anyway, and then realizing only too late that they could only have prevented it and go back, they would have. And my stories shine light on how to prevent yourself from going too far, from, from you know, being regretful. Uh, and just trying to stay in the light, you know? Hmm. Now, let's take a step back in the sense of how to prepare 
a novel because I'm sure that, of course, you had the uh, origins of the story already set up. But like, how long did it take for you to, you know, write everything down, move it into uh, printer paper, and submit it to a publisher? Okay, so um, it took me nine months to write the book from beginning to end. I say it's a baby. I birthed the baby. <laughs> <It's a book laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> In nine months, okay, that's what it took me. I didn't plan for that. It just happened. Um, I was working a full-time job, teaching, so I got up, you know, um, people were like, oh, I have to quit my job to write a book. No, you don't, you know. That's not really feasible for people. Um, I just, seriously, I put aside an hour to two to three hours every day hours, whatever I could give, I'd write a little bit every day, and before you know it, you know, I finished the draft, I had researched how other writers did it, I think we learned to write from other writers, I actually researched habits of like Hemingway, all the uh, different writers that are pretty famous, and I learned their schedules, I took some of their tips and I kind of made them my own and all of them had one thing in common they said write every day even if you don't know what you're going to write just sit down and write every day if it's 30 minutes if it's an hour so I did that nine nine months later I had my first draft now in between that did you have any types of blocks and if you did what did you do in order to clear those oh yeah I had blocks most of my epiphanies came in the middle of the night. I can't tell you how many times I wrote chapter three. I can't tell you how many times I wrote my last chapter. My last chapter was super difficult because that's the ending. And I was stuck on that for about three weeks. I just, I, was, I couldn't get a handle on it. I wrote it about four times. I knew when I was writing it, it was forced, but, you know, I had to work through it. Finally, you know, uh, it came to me, and usually those uh, solutions come to me in the middle of the night for some reason. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said, that's it, that's it, this is the ending, that's it, and I take out my cell phone, I type it on my little notes, blah, 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 and go back to sleep. Mm. Okay. Woke up the next yeah, I woke up the next day, put it in, and you know when it's right. You know it. Everything in you just knows. <laughs> <laughs> you just know that you know. So when you finally got uh, together a draft, was it that at that point where you had to shop around for publishing and distribution? Oh, yeah. So I started submitting, and um, of course, rejection came. And I started to get really discouraged, you know. Uh, but I ended up, in the long run, getting five offers. I got five contract offers from publishers. Uh, so that was really good for my first submission. And um, I went with Behringer Publishing. 
I thought they were a good company. I like Behringer. They, they uh, worked well with me. They helped me execute my ideas in the way I saw fit. And um, they treat their authors very well. So I went with Behringer. Uh, they also did, I don't know if you know uh, Garage Sale Mysteries. No. It's a, it's a Hallmark series. Uh, anyway, that Hallmark series came from a book that Behringer published called Garage Sale Mysteries. Now it's a Hallmark uh, series. Okay. All right. Yeah, so that, yeah, that kind of helped uh, sway me as well because they had had some prior success. And I like the uh, publisher, so. So in this particular in this particular sense now, when you do go when you when your book is published, and it's going on the shelves, and of course it's also available online through your website, which is wedadw.com. Shameless plug. Um, um, now, how much of a royalty, what is the royalty ratio between, uh, you know, writer and publisher? Okay, so that's going to depend on, uh, that's individual. So um, I'm going to tell you right now, publishing's changing. So if you find a publisher that wants to offer you, in my opinion, less than, you know, 9%, 10% royalty, I don't think that that's a good deal nowadays, even with the, even with the check up front, in my opinion, because in the long run, you know, depending on how well your book does, it, I wanted a royalty that was higher, that, uh, that I could get forever a forever royalty that was at a higher percentage instead of an upfront pay advance with a small royalty. So traditional publishers are going to be smaller royalty. Hybrid publishers, which are just as, can be just as good as traditional publishers, they're going to give you more royalties. And if you go on their website, you get at least 50% with a reputable hybrid publisher. You get minimum 50 50% royalty which is pretty good so if your book sometimes more yeah so when you when your book is being sold at walmart for let's i I, i'm not uh i don't know the figure but uh let's just throw out a figure so if your book is being sold at walmart for ten dollars how much do you get out of that author negotiates with the royalty. So let's just say, let's say your book is on the shelf for $20 and you negotiate, you sign a contract for a 70% royalty. Let's just say you're going to get 70% off that 20 bucks, $20. So you can do the math, you know, mm-hmm. 70% of 20. Okay. But now if you're going through Amazon start getting into those uh, realms, they also take a cut because you're using their uh, plot, you know, their website to, to also sell your book. 
so they get a they get a small cut, and then your publisher gets a, a cut. So you know, depending on what you set up with your publisher, you have to have that you know in the contract. So say if if you're doing seventy percent royalty from your publisher, and Amazon takes fifteen percent, you're going to get you know. Mm-hmm. Now. So now, it's an author publisher agreement. You know. Author publisher agreement. Okay. Yeah. Now, also, are you also selling this on your website that people can buy the book through your website? So I have links to where they can order the books. And then uh, they're also on the shelf, I know, at uh, the Barnes & Noble at Garden and Legacy. They're on the shelf there in the fantasy team section. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, first off, before anything, I want to congratulate you on actually... Uh, being a published novelist, that is great. And I also wanted to find out now, uh, you brought up a, a, a point now, you are still working full time, correct? Yeah. So uh, you're a teacher? You're, you're a full time teacher? Yeah. Public or private? Public. Okay. All right. And hat. I understand that you, uh, or, or please, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the book that you have, uh, are you uh-huh. touring it to different uh, places in the school system that you're in? Well, some of the schools in the district have uh, ordered it um, for their schools. I, it's in lot, some of the libraries in the district, not just in Palm Beach County, but others as well. Um, I will be speaking at University of Texas. Your alma mater. Uh, yep. They've asked me to come as a keynote speaker at their conference uh, in September. It's going to be me and two other people. Uh, so I'm very honored to go there and speak um, to the student body there and be a part of that. Um, whatever I can do in my you know, humble experience to help others. That's my goal, really, at the bottom of it all. Um, it's just about my contribution to the world. Okay. Well, while you're here, and since uh, you brought this up, why don't you give us an excerpt of your, um, of your, uh, of your sunbeam and the curse of the golden key? Okay. So what I can do is I will read uh, the prologue, so I'll give you a little um, hint into, uh, you know, the book. Okay. So this is the prologue. And I'll just do a, read the first page here. Here we go. In the deep depths of Cyprus, the place where light and dark meet, where good 
changed forever. You might be wondering what golden key I'm talking about. Well, let me warn you of its dangers, because if you do happen to find it, you must know there are rewards, but there are also consequences, serious consequences. And right at this moment, it's missing, but it won't be lost for long because the golden key was made to be found. And believe me, it will be found. It is only a matter of time. You can find it immediately after closing this book. Trust me, it's happened before. Or you may have already spotted it, held it between your fingers, but didn't even recognize its power. <coughs> you know how that is. Someone comes across a random key and says, Hey, do you know what this key's for? I have no idea, the other replies. Then that key gets tossed aside, cast, unrecognized, thrown away. But if you are one of the special ones who does find it and recognizes it, well, that's when things change. If you do find the golden key and I could give you only one tip to survive its power, it would be this. Do not get stuck initial intrigue of its entertaining powers of pleasure or pain. But seek and break into the mysteries beyond it, because it is there you will unlock the truth. Your four-legged servant, White Wing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I could still see that. Uh, from, huh? No, go ahead. It's narrated from the point of view of a horse. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, uh, we won't give anything else away. And I figure that that actually is a nice point in order to kind of wrap up a few things here. Um, I understand that uh, I, I know that you also have a YouTube channel where it seems that you have students actually reading excerpts from your book. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, you also had a book signing over at the Wellington Amphitheater, I take it. Right. I've had, we did a book launch. Uh, the city of Wellington was kind to um, give me the space to do the book launch. We had a on-stage reading um, I also did uh, another reading at Palm Beach State College. I did two of those. Mm -hmm. um, I did book signing. I did, um, gosh, what else have I done? Uh, and I have the event coming up uh, in Texas. Okay. And there's more things being planned as we speak. So. Okay, great, great. Mm -hmm. So it begs the question... Um, you said uh, that, um, well, actually, uh, just a broad overview, it really begs this question, is that now that you are a published novelist and you have these, these uh, tours and these sites and people are actually picking up and reading the book now, um, in your heart of hearts, is this where you want to be right now? 
um, or have you uh, have anything? Uh, do you do you still have theater or theatrical aspirations in the back of your mind? <laughs> Everyone asks me that because they're like, you know, when's your next? When are you going to do another play? And oh my gosh, you know. But I, to be honest with you, I have been toying with the idea of adapting Sunbeam for stage. It would make a very bright and mystical theater performance. <laughs> okay. Um, once I, you know, you never know where the road's going to take you, but um, that is wheeling around back there. All right. So. All right. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But right now my focus is on publishing my books. Um, and if I do theater uh, in the future, it, these will probably become musicals for stage, these books. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Now, ever since that you kind of left the market... Have you, you know, gone out and seen other local productions? Um, you know, honestly, I once I dissolved Immeasurable, uh, I sort of just left the theater world. I, I just haven't really been in the loop, uh, keeping up with all the latest troops. Uh, you know, but that is something that if I do decide again and everybody will know it because I'll just be on the scene, you know? <laughs> I'll just, everyone will know because they'll know. They'll know. I'll and make myself know. <laughs> whenever you're good and ready, so it's not... Well, uh, yeah, yeah, they'll know it because I'll, I'll show up and I'll be there and I'll, it'll be up and running. Would you uh, consider... And I know that uh, at, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're kind of pushing here, but would you consider uh, the relaunch of Immeasurable or would you, for instance, take your material and kind of shop it around at other theaters? Are you, like I'm saying, are you uh, basically just uh, kind of step, stepping away from the theatrical producing side and more on the writing and performing side? Yes, I'm, I'm, I don't have it, well, I wouldn't mind producing again, but as of right now, it takes so much energy of course. and time to, to write the novel of course. that I, I don't want to burn myself out. And that's, and that's part of what I did in uh, 2013. I was burned out because I was writing, directing, and producing. Uh, so now, you know, if I do decide to do it for stage, I would probably shop around and find a really good uh, theater troupe to put it up. Okay. To showcase it. Okay. That, that would be more what I'd be interested in. Of course. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule in order to speak with me as well as tell people about your, uh, your, your piece Sunbeam and the Curse of the Golden Key. Once again, you can find, let people know uh, your website again, and then also if you have any social tags as well. Yes, I have an Instagram, Facebook. We 
Weta DW. Weta DW. You go to WeedaDW.com. I'm on, uh, like I said, I'm an author Facebook page on Facebook and Instagram um, where, you know, updates are posting. And um, this is still this very new. You know, the book's only been uh, published for a few months. This is very new. Okay, okay, but it's still exciting to know that you have a novel out, and uh, and you're you're promoting it and you're you're pushing it and you're letting people oh, know, yeah. and uh, you yeah. could be the next Weta DW. I wouldn't want to say J.K. Rowling or any other fantasy writer because I'm you want to make your mark on your own. You don't necessarily want exactly. to be compared to other writers, even though you can be inspired by other writers, and there's nothing wrong with inspiration. But I believe right. at this point, instead of becoming the next so-and-so, you could be you. Right. You're exactly right. And a lot of people try to put me in a box and compare me, and uh, that's just what human nature you know, does. Right. We're like that. Uh, and I've already been compared to some other writers, but it's definitely uh, my own twist on things. So you know, uh, I, I'm writing my own style here. So um, I hope that you know you can get a copy, uh, pick it up, and if you do, hope you enjoy it. We've been getting some really good reviews so far, so things are looking really good. Good. Well, thank you again for uh, coming on and uh, sharing your uh, journey with us. And uh, I wish, wish you uh, congratulations again on being a first-time novelist, and I wish you much success in order to uh, open the series, the Sunbeam series, or whatever you want to call it. It's up to you. Uh, I don't know. Sun, Sunbeam series kind of tri- trickles off the tongue, but like I said, it's all you. so uh other than that um would you tend to leave us with any parting words to any other aspiring novelists or any other writers that want to get stuff off the ground any any uh advice that you want to give yes yes i would i'm going to say that
and I'm also taking criticism, but there's a fine balance in knowing what to keep and what to let go of. And all I can say is, is if you're tossing and turning at night, and if you're restless about letting go of something, there's a reason. Don't let it go. If you feel convicted and very strong about it, hold on to it and keep it in your ark. Because I have found that the one thing I held on to that other people told me, a couple people told me to let go of, is what made this book. It's what got me five contracts. So stick to your guns, stick to your convictions, and be true to yourself and your art. And that's what I leave you with. Great. Great. So, so thanks I, for having me. Of really course. Of course. So, this has been episode 34 of the Kevin Johnson program. We'd like to thank you so much for listening. And please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Kev John Pro. And we are also now only on anchor.fm under Kev John Pro. Please get to know our creatives in South Florida and invest in your local community. Take care.